Today, we are talking A to Z contenders to pretenders. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Locked on Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, and joined with me today is Nick Zararis. Nick, how are you doing? Very tired. I, I, I went to professional wrestling last night, didn't get home till like 1.30, didn't sleep great. So I, I'm excited to be talking about hockey to distract me from how tired I am. Honestly, I get it. Yeah. But before we dive into the hockey, today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase the Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. We're going to be covering the good, the bad, the ugly today, because that is where we're at in leading up to the season we got to kind of prepare ourselves who might be the sleepers who are like actually a legitimate contender and then who's just basement dwelling yes exactly exactly the 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 ethos of this episode is the belichick quote i always use there's 32 teams in this league before training camps open 12 teams have eliminated themselves from winning the championship before we even the first puck hits the ice at training camp before the first fitness test is done. These teams don't have a chance of winning the championship. And they know that they, they fully know we're, our goal this year is not to win a championship. It's to get better. It's to develop our younger guys. It's maybe we're going to give some older guys in a different situation, maybe a different type of opportunity and maybe they stick and we can turn them into an asset or we can keep them for when we're ready to compete. Then you have that middle-class tier of teams who think they can win the championship, which is a decent chunk of the league falls into that middle category. They buy into the just make the playoffs and anything can happen. We saw it last year. The Florida Panthers went on a pretty improbable run, made it to a cup final, and then kind of ran out of gas as they got deeper and deeper into the playoffs. And then you have about, I would say for me, six to seven teams that can genuinely win the championship any given year. Of course, weird things happen. This is why we talk about range of outcomes, how many different ways can something happen but we got 32 teams we've got about six to seven that are bona fide stanley cup contenders we've got a middle class of about 18 ish teams who can be anything from a wild from you know picking seventh in the lottery to maybe they're on the fence of a wild card spot if things break their way but they know they're not going to win anything and then You've got that last tier of teams that are kind of just happy to be here. A lot of those teams that have been trying to crawl their way out of the uh, basement, I feel like they're, they haven't made much progress. Oh, no, definitely not. We, we've seen this in particular. I feel this might be entirely anecdotal. And if I'm wrong, I might have to look into this because this is an interesting topic about how long it takes to rebuild. You would think an NHL team would be reasonably easy to turn over just because the amount of roster spots. Mm-hmm. We talk about it in relation to football where, you know, you, you have 53 guys, you dress 46 on game day. That's a few years to turn over a lot of that roster. We talk about basketball. You only dress 12 guys in basketball. Basketball is the quickest to turn over. One elite player can make an average NBA team pretty good. 
Baseball 25 is kind of in the middle where it takes a few seasons to kind of turn over your roster. But hockey, you would think, relatively easy to turn over. The issue with hockey and why it's kind of hard to turn over a roster and why some of these rebuilds go so long is the way the salaries are structured, where it is really hard to move expensive players because there just isn't a ton of cap space in the league in general. You, we talk, the way – and real quick, I'll do this real quick mentally before we actually get into the conversation. There's 32 teams. You divide the revenue. 50, you divide the revenue 32 ways. That's how you calculate your salary cap. So revenue in the NHL does not compare to the, that of the other sports. It's why the cap is so much lower. It's why Trevor Zegers' girlfriend is going to make more than him this upcoming season, which I, I joked about last week, but based on the offer that the Ducks maybe had floated out there, and we'll start with the Ducks because they have, they're have they one of the teams with that is 200 to 1 to win the Stanley Cup, the worst odds in the league. Then the Canadians, the Sharks, and the Blackhawks all have the – they're all at 200 to one to win the Stanley cup. Those are all teams that know we're at least two to three years away from even being a playoff team, let alone a Stanley cup contender. Oh, the ducks are such an interesting situation because they do have good pieces there. It's just a matter of getting other good pieces as they develop and progress into their own league. I feel like it's taking so long. The Ducks are interesting. I think the Ducks are in a little bit better spot than Montreal, San Jose, the Flyers, and the Blackhawks. Because the Ducks, you think about it. We've got Jamie Drysdale. We've Mm -hmm. got Troy Terry. We've got Mason McTavish. You just drafted Leo Carlson. And we have Trevor Zegers. That's a decent core of five, six impactful young guys who you have control over, who are still in their early 20s, or in the case of Carlson, in their teens, where Mm -hmm. you have a lot of runway to kind of gradually build that group up. But they've done some weird things like they threw that money at Kalorn. they paid ryan strome last year frank vetrano last year where the idea being you want you don't want these young guys to come into a totally hopeless situation where you need you need something for the, some players for them to be able to lean on and decent players for them to play with you that mm-hmm. well, transition of the blackhawks part of why they took taylor hall and that salary dump from the bruins was they wanted to give connor bedard someone decent to play with because that's an important part of their development is yeah. having guys capable of playing off of them. It's great you got Connor Bedard, but if he's playing with, you know, guys who are better suited for the bottom six and in his peak development years, which in the NHL we consider peak development years 18 to 23, 24. By 24, you typically know what a guy is. He might be able to put up more counting stats. But generally speaking, in terms of their talent, we have a good grasp of what they are. I'm glad. I mean, I hate it that Taylor Hall is no longer a Bruin, but I'm glad for Bedard because, like you said, imagine the conversations had they not brought in a good winger for him years down the line, even when he's still a fantastic player. Oh, like, what he could have been so much more had Chicago invested in blah, blah, blah. Like, they're avoiding that. So, proactiveness there. And then also in this category – We have the Flyers, the Coyotes, the Blue Jackets, the Red Wings, the Sharks. The Sharks, I feel like the Sharks might be the furthest away out of all of these teams just based on how they've taken some of the – how they've handled the last couple of seasons, frankly, not getting a ton from Meyer, not getting a ton for Eric Carlson. They've really only got Tomas Hurdle, Logan Couture. A lot of their young guys are still kind of a ways away from being impactful. The Blue Jackets, their forward group is decent. Their defense – is solid. It doesn't have a ton of upside. 
Their goaltending is a major question mark, and the vibes are just kind of weird now based on what's happened over the last two weeks. The Red Wings, I don't know if there actually is an Iser plan, uh, frankly, at this point. And the one team I will take a moment to talk about here before we move on to the next tier, the Coyotes are getting closer. Mm-hmm. I think there's a real argument that they're kind of in that same ballpark of the Ducks where they have a few young guys who are pretty interesting. Like, I'm very curious to see how Logan Cooley fares in his first real season in the NHL after a pretty solid college track record, somebody who is going to be impactful. They have Matthias McKelly, who was who got some Calder buzz last year. They have Clayton Keller, who's point-per-game player, who's really good. They're getting closer. They have a bazillion draft picks. Again, they're going to keep getting draft picks because – Every other team doesn't have cap space, uses the Coyotes to buy cap space effectively with draft picks. So the Coyotes are getting there. The Ducks are getting there. The Blackhawks and Flyers are still both kind of in that first phase of their rebuild where it's just about talent accumulation. And then the Red Wings, the Capitals, those are teams that kind of have low ceilings and high floors where talented veterans, maybe Dabrinkit can kind of unlock something that the Red Wings haven't had in the last couple of years, and he's that elite player they've needed to kind of get closer to a playoff spot, but I don't think Detroit or Washington really has a chance of making it. No, I completely agree. I feel like Washington, they it, they ran their course. Yeah. They won the Cup in 2018, and, you know, it was just kind of whatever from there yeah. for them, and probably not the best approach, but hey, whatever Whatever they want to do. They won their cup. I I talked about this a few weeks ago on Liberty Blue. Just they won their cup. They're taking care of their guys. They gave Tom Wilson that big contract. They kept they gave Ovechkin more than they probably should have just to, you know, make keep the relationship strong. They brought Backstrom back, who says he feels good about his hip, which God willing, a hip injury is really hard to come back from in any professional sport, hopefully. Maybe the maybe Washington can kind of be that annoying te- spoiler team where they know they're not going to win the cup. Their main goal is to get Ovechkin six goals a game so he can pass Gretzky. And whatever happens, happens. And I think that's a good way to end it before we move on to the next level of pretenders. But before we do that, we are going to take a quick break here and talk to you about AG1. AG1 is a delicious way to start your day. I gave AG1 a try because I just, I wanted some extra vitamins and all in one right there in one scoop. Uh, AG1 is a micro habit that delivers macro benefits and helps just about everybody take care of their health every day. I enjoy covering my nutritional bases for the day because it's quite literally just one scoop in a cup of water to start the day and you're working to make your body healthier. And it's also less than $3 a day, which is less than this wonderful green tea right here. So if you want a comprehensive solution from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL Network to check it out. Thanks everyone for hanging around with us as we cruise through the rest of the off season here. Unlocked on Flames. We're back five days a week, so make sure you're subscribed and talking to your friends about it. 
this is the tricky part because classifying some of these teams, you feel weird about saying some of these teams are pretenders, but frankly, they are. For them to win a championship, it would require something unforeseen and not in the most likely range of outcomes. Like, you, you know, the scene in Oppenheimer where Matt Damon's sitting there and what, what do you want from theory alone? Zero certainty. Well, no, you, there's no way to be certain. We're going based on what is most likely to happen. That is how we forecast these types of things. Mm -hmm. We don't, we can't authoritatively speak to how 82 regular season games and four playoff series are going to play out. We're going based on track records of players based on previous seasons. There is no way to guarantee what someone does over one year, they will do into the next year, but we can assume that over a long period of time, they will find some type of average, some type of middle that we can come to say, this is what this player is. This is what this team is, etc. So you talk about teams in this tier, like the Nashville Predators, who will go as far as UC Soros can take them. You talk about the Vancouver Canucks, who they will score a lot of goals, but they will probably concede just as money. The St. Louis Blues, who like the Capitals, they won their Stanley Cup and are kind of in that next phase of the guys who won the Cup are still here, but we're not really good enough to push for another one. So let's try and emphasize our younger guys. The Winnipeg Jets, who will go as far as Connor Hellebuck can take them. The Islanders, who will go as far as Ilya Sorokin can carry them. The Ottawa Senators, who they will score a lot of goals, but they will also concede a lot of goals. The Buffalo Sabres, ditto, they will score a ton of goals. The Flames, who will probably play pretty solid two-way hockey, but just not score enough goals because they don't have the high-end players. Mm -hmm. Then you start talking about the Wild are probably in this tier. The Penguins are probably in this tier. The LA Kings are probably in this tier. Seattle Kraken are probably in this tier. You could even argue the Florida Panthers are in this tier. Where This is where the bulk of your league is. 16 teams make the playoffs. Half of the field, half of your league makes the playoffs. There will be teams every year that qualify for the postseason that are overwhelmed, don't belong there, and they get smoked in five or six games in the first round, and the series probably didn't need to go six games, but hockey's weird sometimes. But this is where the vast majority of your league lives. You have a couple of really good players. Maybe you're one of the teams that has one of the elite goalies. Hmm. But generally speaking, these are teams that know that it's going to take a lot to go our way to win the Stanley Cup. If we get in the playoffs, we are going to need a Panthers-type somebody comes out of nowhere and goes crazy, whether it's Kachuk type player, a forward being over a point per game, or a goalie pushing a 930 save percentage. You're going to need one of those two outlier, uh, those two outlier outcomes for you to reach that type of level. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that's kind of what makes the playoffs and like the end, end of the regular season so exciting because for sure. you have these teams that, like the Panthers or the Wild or the Predators, the Flames potentially, that are all fighting for a wild card spot or to really and to just solidify themselves into a longer hockey season. And I think that it's – I think of the um, round one, uh, Bruins-Panthers. There was no reason for that series to go seven and end in overtime. No, absolutely no – no one could have seen that. No one would have guessed it. Everyone would have bet against it. And that's what makes this so fun because teams exactly. can just come out of nowhere. For uh, Bobrovsky to just come out um, really of bench warming, retirement, and 
go and post the numbers that he did, another thing no one ever saw coming. No, and that's what makes it just enticing enough that you have people who believe. Mm-hmm. Every year there will be fans who say, just get in. One, you just get in, anything can happen once you get there. They'll point to the Panthers, they'll point to the expansion Golden Knights, but those are infrequent occurrences. You, generally speaking, don't want your main path to your goal to be something that requires such an extreme outcome. It's really difficult for a goalie to play 920, 930 save percentage hockey for two months. That's effectively what it takes when you're not a Sorokin, a Shesterkin, a Saros, a Hellebuck, a Vasilevsky, who's done it consistently for a long period of time. Bob is very hot and cold, and this is something else that's hard to factor in when we're talking about regular season versus postseason is sometimes you get in and you're playing really – you have to play to get in at the end of the regular season, and you maintain that high level. That's part of what happened in that series against the for the Panthers and the Bruins, where the Panthers weren't in a playoff spot till about two weeks to go in the season, and they really had to grind to get there. The Bruins knew they were in a playoff spot in January and it was really hard. And that's not to say like they lost focus or whatever. It's just where people are human. When you know you can, you can get away with putting in 80, 90% and that's still winning you, you know, 65 games. Okay. We're fine. We'll figure it out when we get there. And that's just how you post. Why why would you put in all that? It's not even coasting. It's not even coasting. That's not even the right word. It's just, it's really hard when you don't have any regular season adversity to deal with the adversity that comes through in the postseason. This is why you see younger teams particularly always get that knock against them when you're talking about evaluating who's going to win a playoff series is, well, they don't have the experience. They've never been punched in the mouth and gotten back up in one of these difficult situations. The Bruins last year, their, big, their most adverse thing was, okay, is Omar going to be the goalie at the start of the season because he kind of lost the job the year before? He was. And then he hit the ground running. He won the Vesna. They had the best regular season ever. And real quick on this before we get to the, the next segment, the other teams in this category, you, if you wanted to argue that the Kraken, the Panthers, the Kings, and maybe the Penguins are in the contender tier and not this tier, I would not, I wouldn't totally disagree with you, but I would say they are the best teams in this tier. They're definitely on the precipice of being in the contender tier, but. I think we're talking about too much having to go their way to really get up to that next level. And there, and we're going to talk about teams in the next tier, the contender tier, who there's an argument should be in the pretender tier. So I'll, I'll, I'll cede the floor for the moment <laughs> so we don't go over time. <laughs> Coming up next, we are uh, going to do, just as Nick said, uh, and after this quick break here, but before we do that, we are going to talk about the most comfortable shorts that – either of us own and those would be your bird dogs bird dogs are a fantastic pair of shorts that are uh, stretchy sweat resistant they're made with like stink resistant material so it's even better uh well now that it's cooling down you can wear them to the gym but um with the bird dogs they fit better than regular shorts because they are not made of stiff restricting cotton and fabric so bird dogs really are functional for any occasion you can wear them on date nights evenings out the pool the golf course working out lounging work wherever you want to be the most comfortable go to birddogs.com slash locked on nhl or enter promo code 
Locked On NHL at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NHL for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, and we promise you. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us on Locked on Flames as we uh, wrap up today's episode with the true contenders of the NHL heading into this season. So, in my mind, you could arguably put the Rangers and Lightning are probably the lowest two in this tier. I think the Lightning's window has probably passed. But if anyone, if any organization can do the Frankenstein zombie thing through another, to another Stanley Cup, it'd be the Lightning, where they coast through the regular season. They probably end up a wild card or they're third in the Atlantic. They get a good first round matchup. They win that first round in five or six games and they kind of all look around at each other like, okay, we could do this. I know we don't have Kalorn or Pilat or McDonough or any of the guys from that last run, but. We still got Stamkos, we still got Kucherov, we still got Point, we got Victor Hedman, and we got one of the five best goalies in the league. If they get hot at the right time, it's not implausible. Vegas, who just won the Stanley Cup, bringing back effectively the same team just without Riley Smith, they will be good again. Playing in the Pacific Division will help them a lot. We have that. The Stars, who genuinely, I think, have a real argument to being the best team in the Western Conference and maybe the entire league. The Oilers, who are going to score a bazillion goals again, and if they get decent goaltending, they will be a Stanley Cup contender for sure. The Leafs, who – the Leafs I almost was going to put in the pretender tier, but their odds are too good. Yeah. The forward group is too good. Like, adding um, Tyler Bertuzzi to that group, really good for what he's going to bring. Max Domi in that bottom six. I know I read today that they had Nylander at center to try and deepen their lineup a little bit more. It's one of the most talented forward groups. Their defense leaves a little bit to be desired, especially with what was reported the other day that Jake Muzzin's not going to play hockey this year because of those long-term back issues. They probably are a defenseman short of being a real Stanley Cup contender. They need one more guy back there. The Devils, who have a real argument for best roster in the entire league, their goaltending is a question mark, but I think it, they have an argument for being the best top nine in the entire NHL when you talk about Hughes, Heischer, Brat, Palat, um, Timo Meyer. They've got a really good forward group. The Devils, I, who I just said, the Hurricanes, who have been on the door, knocking on the door for a few years now, of they just need to get the things to go their way. It takes a lot to go right to win a championship. The Avalanche, who Won the Stanley Cup two years ago. Still have they made some interesting moves in the offseason. And when we do more division and specific stuff, we'll get deeper. But adding Miles Wood, that was kind of weird. The Nichushkin thing is still kind of weird. That hasn't really been addressed on any front. They added Ross Colton for a long term for a lot of money. Still got some of the best players in the entire league. And then the Bruins are the lowest in this tier, but I think there's a real argument the Bruins are probably in the tier before this, but based on how the odds are listed on FanDuel, I have them in the contender tier. The Bruins will be a fascinating social experiment, frankly. What happens when you lose that much institutional knowledge in one offseason? They're still a talented group, but I think I think there's a real chance the Bruins miss the playoffs entirely. And that's not that's you know that that's just how hockey works sometimes. It's unfair. You have players retire, guys have to move on eventually. And that's not to say Bergeron or Krejci couldn't play. Frankly, they both played at really high levels last year. It's just a matter of knowing when time is. It's time to go. 
Yeah, exactly. And um, this, well, last year's Bruins team is right where you left them. And we are going to, of course, talk more about them when we do our divisional previews. I am sick to my stomach over just face value tickets. Um, I looked yesterday for my birthday game, Saturday night at the end of December. It was $165 to sit in the last row. And after go, it's brutal, man. I went, I went to one game at TD last year against the Islanders. And granted, it was a Saturday matinee, so like I knew it was going to be expensive. It was like two hundred seventy dollars to get in, and one we ticket? don't two seventy per ticket. Yeah, oh granted, God. Saturday matinee on a three day weekend. I understand why it was that expensive, but the Bruins charging what they do when you have. This much room in the upper bowl is ridiculous. They, I understand that every arena renovated to squeeze in an extra couple hundred seats in the upper deck in the last 10 years. At some point, we got to have like uh, some type of consumer protections that somebody who, like me, I have a relatively big foot. I can, I shouldn't have to sit bow legged the entire game because my feet are too big. I really have to sit there bow legged the entire time with my feet outwards pointing at duck style because they are too big to be straight ahead uh, and granted i'm a tall guy i'm a little on the big side but like i should be able to sit normally right and again you're paying all this money for an experience yeah it plays into it like i don't need to be sitting there in like a recliner or anything super yeah. comfortable but same thing with fenway park it's just like you're yeah. you're expected to be you know squished into a seat and it's just, it's not fun. And I mean, I've never been to, actually, that's a lie. LA seats were really comfortable and spacious. So good job, Kings. Uh, at least you're doing that right. But that does it for today's episode of Locked On Flames. Thank you so much for talking uh, the good, the bad, the ugly with us here. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Flames wherever you're getting your podcasts. And of course, on YouTube. We're here for you five days a week, and the Flames play hockey this weekend. Yes, I, I will be tuned in, unfortunately. Yeah, I will be glued to my computer. Just so happy to be back. Do you have any parting words for us, Nick? Oh, good on Nikita Zadorov speaking up for what's going on in the war with the war in Russia and Ukraine. Good for him for speaking up. I know there were a few players that were quoted in that article that said that a few of them wanted to join together to issue a group statement, but they couldn't exactly agree on the language of it and trying to be tasteful and, you know, conscientious of the safety issues that go on with that type of thing. But good on Nikita Zadorov for speaking up what he believes in. Yes, absolutely. And hopefully we have a positive update on Oliver Shillington as well, because he was out today, but we will see you tomorrow.